2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thank you again so much for your generous heart this morning to uh, those in Kenya. And uh, I'm like a little boy at Christmas. I can't wait to get them here to give it to them. I just can't wait. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Beginning with verse 6. Would you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word? Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much you're going to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. For God loves a person who gives cheerfully. And God will generously provide all that you need. Then you'll always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. And as the scriptures say, they share freely and give generously to the poor. Who do they give to? Okay. Those less fortunate than them. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Yes, you will be enriched in every way so that you can always be generous. And when we take your gifts to those who need them, they will thank God. So two good things will result from this ministry of giving. The needs of believers in Jerusalem will be met and they will joyfully express their thanks to God. As a result of your ministry, whose ministry is it? Okay, they will give glory to God for your generosity to them and all believers will prove that you are obedient to the good news of Christ and they will pray for you with deep affection because of the overflowing grace of God that has been given to you. Thank God for this gift that's too wonderful for words. I want to go ahead and speak to the last 5% of it. If you've been a Christian the last 20 years and been exposed to Christian television You have seen the merchandising and, if you will, the rape, the shearing of other believers through marketing and manipulation of trying to get money into their place. I've seen it with great disgust. I've seen the preachers take the word of God and preach these scriptures so that you give to them and they say if you give to them then God will do this for you and it becomes a slot machine where you give $50 and you get three apples and get back $100 and it becomes this horrible travesty and distortion of the word of God and God opposes it and he is displeased by it and uh, does not bless it and will eventually judge it. Having said that The negative of that is that we forget our individual purpose. One of the reasons God places us in this world is to give the things God has so freely given to us. He gives us grace, we give grace. He gives us goodness, we give goodness. He gives us resources, we give resources. So this message... And I'm very careful. I want, I want you to hear the context of it. That's why I'm not taking offering at the end of it. This message is not to give you to give anything to Christ Chapel. It's to provoke you to see your life as something that God wants to use to be poured out to other people. To make the difference in other people. The turning point for me came years ago when the Lord gave me a very firm but gentle rebuke. He asked me very clearly in my heart, so clearly that in my quiet place I answered out loud. He said, John, are you a giver or a taker? Now I'm not talking about just in church. I'm talking about the person. I said, I am a taker. He said, and you are the exact opposite of my son, Jesus. The scripture verse the Lord gave me was as often as you have opportunity, do good to all men, especially those in the household of faith. So this morning, I want to speak to you on the subject 
of being remembered forever. The Bible speaks of their deeds being remembered forever. No, God is not requiring or desiring me to give to a Christian telethon because if we don't give in the next 48 hours, they're not going to make it and they're going to go off the air. That's not what he had in mind. But he thought of me and you, where we work and where we live in our neighborhoods and in our schools. He thought of me and you having eyes like him so we see what he sees and we feel what he feels. And he's given us capacity so that we would do what he would do in that situation. A generous life is not about giving to the local church. A generous life is about being generous outside of the local church. So I want to talk to you this morning about that generosity. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you that I have the opportunity to preach your word. The grass withereth and the flower falleth away, but the word of the Lord endureth forever. I pray, O Lord, that we would not ever fall under the condemnation of men or the maneuvering of men, but we want to hear from you. So I pray that I give this word in such a way that it would fall in just the right place and in just the right way that would bring forth eternal fruit. Teach us, O Lord, how we can bring you this pleasure and lead generous lives and that our legacy in heaven will be of those that gave. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. The Christmas story begins in the manger. Well, it begins way before, but it talks about God so loving the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. Giving flows from who we are. God gave. Giving does not begin with a need. And when, again, so we're not confused. I'm not talking about offerings. I'm talking about your life as a, as a giver to other people. God so loved. God, it originates with God. Giving doesn't originate with a need. It originates with a source. Have you ever been with someone that likes to fish? And then you've seen a fisherman? You're driving down the interstate. And someone that likes to fish may not see every lake you pass on I-75. But a fisherman goes, oh, oh. And you go, what? Did you see that? What? Back behind those acres, behind the billboard, there was a little pond. Didn't you see it? You go, no, I didn't see it. See, from who they are, they spot opportunities. God so loved. See, the, the source of the giving was the person. And then it flows from that feeling of love. God so loved. Giving feels. Giving flows indiscriminately. He so loved the world. We don't just give to Christians. We just don't give to churches. We give to little boys that don't have fathers. We give to little girls that don't have mothers. We give to single moms that don't have help. We give to lonely people who don't have anyone to eat lunch with. It's, it's, it's the simple things all through the day where we see what other people don't see and it flows indiscriminately. Good thing God's grace didn't flow discriminately because we'd have been left out. God so loved the world. The world, crooked people, crazy people, mean people, sweet people. See, we don't give because of who they are. We give because of who we are. And you don't have to have a, a, a poverty mentality where you, you got to hold on. You got to hold on. You got to hold on because we don't want to waste it on unworthy people. Now, there is a part where you don't want to enable people to self-destruct. But our problem usually isn't that. Our problem usually is a hoarder mentality of the things that we, we've been given. And this is not everybody. Please don't think I'm, I'm speaking just to the, the part where it may be a problem for us. God's grace flows indiscriminately. It flows sacrificially. He gave his only son. It's not just small things, but it is small things, but it's, it's large things too. And to the person that gives, there is no difference between small and large. To the fisherman, it doesn't matter if it's a small pond or a big pond. It's just a pond. And you can tell you're starting to mature when you lay up for yourself treasures on the other side because God said, he that lendeth to the poor, I will repay him, says the Lord. Not losing anything. And God's giving opens others up to healing. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God's gift healed us. And did you know you have opportunities not just to make someone's day brighter and not just give a smile, but there are gifts that you can give that heal people.
people's lives. Charity can be spontaneous. You can just see someone and just open your wallet and just out of charity, out of goodness, meet a need. But generosity is intentional. Generosity plans. That's the part of the Christian I want to speak to today where we want our life to be one that perpetually flows into other people. That our life is not a Dead Sea experience where God pours in and there aren't any channels out. That's what makes the Dead Sea the Dead Sea. But that we flow out indiscriminately, poured out, wasted, if you will, on other people. If you're taking notes this morning, number one, generosity is a choice. You must each decide, verse seven, in your heart how much to give. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure. To come to a decision about what you will give, you must first address the facts. You cannot give what you don't have. Stop feeling guilty about the level of giving. And some of us, we don't give at all because we can't start at a certain level. What God wants to see in us is not a guilt for what we don't give, but a joy for what we can give. I can't give you what I don't have. You cannot give more than you have. And you can't give what belongs to others. We can't just, you know, if we owe our mortgage and and Georgia Power, and you say, well, I'm going to give this person Georgia Power's money. Well, you made an agreement with them. So there has to be a balance. It's not just, just give it all away and give the Holy Ghost your bills. No, you can't do that. That's crazy. It doesn't honor God, by the way. So this giving is not moved just by emotion. It's by purposing during the year. In the same way you set aside savings or you set aside things for vacation or whatever, you can be intentional about giving to other people by purposing and figuring out ways that you can bless other people. Sometimes it's with resources and sometimes it's with time and others' encouragement. But the the point is that your life would be a channel by which God can bless other people. Generosity is a decision of the will, not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Well, you just walk closely with the Lord and you'll be generous. No. See, we like to put it on God. Well, Lord, just make us all generous peoples. No. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, meekness, self-control. No mention of generosity. That's you. God doesn't make generous people. He leaves that responsibility to you. Without answering, are you generous with your life? Are you generous with your time? Are you generous with your resources? If you are, You are being depleted while other people are being increased. And God will balance the books. Generosity is determined by the size of the heart and available resources. It's like having a a rancher that has cows and one of them's a dairy farmer and one of them, what's the other kind of farmer? Not dairy, but just, just cattle farmer. So he's going to kill all his cows and give all the money to missions. So he just kills every cow, sells them all, writes one big check and goes, thank you, Jesus. Well, he's done. Ain't no cows left. But a dairy farmer says, if I milk these cows, I can sell the milk and continue. God doesn't want you to sell your home, sell your children's toys, have one big yard sale, move out in the woods up here at the exit and live under there and say, I gave all my money to missions, praise the Lord. And raising your kids in, in, a, in a yard full of trees. That's not smart. What he wants you to do is milk your life and be generous with people. Be wise as a, as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Be a good steward with the resources he's given you and have a lifetime of kindness and expressions and generosity that heals and changes other people's lives. 
There are ways and motives which we are not to give by. We are not to give reluctantly, the Bible said. Out of guilt or pressure. If you ever feel guilt or pressure, pressure in this church or anywhere else, God said, don't give. That's not how he operates. We're not supposed to give because someone made us feel bad about our resources. We're supposed to give from who we are. The poor you have with you always, the Bible said. I can't alleviate the poor. I cannot alleviate the need of the poor. But I can use my life as one that alleviates pain in other people's lives intentionally and as I purposed in my heart by choice. We are not to give out of guilt or pressure. We're not to give to get. We're not to give to be recognized or be promotive. Promoted. We're, we're not to give solely on a need basis. Generosity does not begin with a need. It begins with a source. Are you generous? It's your choice. You know what our fear is? Our fear is if we give, we won't have enough. Or if we give, someone who does not deserve will get. That's the way I came into the kingdom. Anybody else? Didn't deserve it. <laughs> Did you deserve grace? The death of his son for you? And it changed the course of your life. We have the power. See, we don't want to believe this because it, it opens up too many opportunities. We have the power to change and heal people through the resources and the graces that God has given us. You are the answer to someone else's prayer. Giving generosity is a choice. Number two, it leads to great blessing. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop, but the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. God's not talking about, again, the uh, slot machine and give and get something in return. But he's telling us a law. He said, the people who spend their lives giving will reap a large crop of return in this life and in the one to come. You'll reap what you've sown. If you plant corn, it just beats all I've ever seen. If you plant corn, do you know what comes up in the field? Corn. It's just the oddest thing. And some of us plant corn and, oh Lord, please bring me pecans. I just ask you for the pecans. And he's like, catfish, what'd you plant? Corn. But I'm believing you for pecans. Lord, supply my need. Supply my need. And he does. But what he watches for is the one that reads the word and understands, even though I'm not giving to get, that whatever things I do in your name for your glory will come back to me more than what I've thrown out. If I throw out a hand of kernels of corn, I don't get just the one stalk. I get stalks and stalks and stalks of corn. And he shows us, and I'm going to get to this in just a moment. The reason he multiplies what we do is not so that I can get more back. That's where the TV preachers lie to you. The reason I throw out a handful of corn kernels and a whole lot of stalks come back is so that I'll have more kernels to throw out again. Again. See, when you get to the end of your life, you don't take none of it with you. None. Them bumper stickers. He who dies with the most toys wins. Have you ever read more mental illness on a bumper sticker in your life? <laughs> he who dies, dies. But in the life to come, and we're going to get to it in a moment, everything you do will be brought to attention. And the one that sows liberally, the Bible said, will reap a large crop, not just in this lifetime, but in the one to come. The idea of seed time and harvest was God's idea. And when God gets ready to introduce a spiritual law, he shows you something in the natural that cannot be mistaken. You plant corn, you get corn. You plant wheat, you get wheat. You plant pecans, you get pecans. You plant love, you receive love. You plant goodness, you receive goodness. You plant friendship. I done been to that church three years and no one talks to me. 
No, that church, nobody's friendly there. I always ask the people the same thing. When they let me hear that, of course, that's usually not to me. It's to somebody else. But I just, nobody's ever said hey to me. What time do you get to church normally? 10, about 10, 20. So you're not coming in and greeting. When's the last time you invited anyone to lunch? Oh, I've never invited nobody from that church to lunch. I just, no, I don't do that. So are you part of a home group? Mm-mm, no. So are you, do you sow any pecans anywhere? No, but y'all ain't got none in that church. There's none there. <laughs> Answer the phone, lady. It's for you. It's ringing. Answer the phone. So God's telling us that whatever you give away, I'll see to it that you get it back. So where's the risk? There's not risk. There's inconvenience. And here's the big one. You ready? The biggest opponent to a generous heart is somebody else gets to go before you. There it is. Mm, I hit something then. Y'all are just staring at me. <laughs> Number three, generosity moves God. Verse seven, it says, for God loveth a cheerful giver. Loves. Well, God loves the world. Even those that don't give. Different word for love. Do you know what this word means? It says, God loves a person that gives cheerfully and joyfully, which means they enjoy doing it. I've heard guys preach. Girls too teach. I've heard them. Give till it hurts. I'm like, time out. No. No, if it hurts, keep your money. Hey, listen. If it hurts you giving in this church, keep your money. You don't need it. Yes, you do. No, we don't. God loves a cheerful giver. You know what that means? It means he breathes after and dotes over with much love. So what is it? does he love a giver more than he loves someone that doesn't? Give? No, it's a different expression. It says, you move me with that because that's what I did for you. You're imitating me. You're replicating me. You're duplicating me in the earth. You are never more like God than when you give something to someone that cannot pay you back. That's the message of grace. You couldn't do it for yourself, so God did it for you just because of who he was. He didn't save you because of who you were. He saved you because of who he was. This type of giving moves God because it's just like him. It moves him because it's from him. It moves him because of the maturity it displays. And it moves him because he loves the recipient of what you're doing as much as he loves you. It just moves the Lord. I like to believe that the Lord delights in me when I preach. I believe he enjoys me when, when I try to serve him and when we lead worship and when we teach the kids. And man, I wish you could have been here Wednesday when we honored the Royal Rangers and the Missionettes and all the workers. Were y'all here Wednesday? Did you see how many there were? Would you give them a hand this morning? Just serving in our kids department. But anybody old like me, do you remember that teacher that taught you for 11 years and she did not enjoy it? Shut the door, you're late, sit down. No vanilla wafer for you, you remember? If you, they hold the vanilla wafer from you, the Kool-Aid. And they talked with the velveteen board, you remember? And Israel had his 12 sons, but ain't but nine of them because we don't know where the other three went and they all falling off the velveteen board. Just mean as a snake. And she testifying church, I've been teaching in the way for 40 years. And you go, I think she has been in the way for 40 years. I think she has the whole time. And you got the other lady that's taught her whole life. And later on in her life, you'll see someone say, do you remember teaching me in the missionettes? And she goes, I don't, it must've been a long time ago. Well, you taught me and my daughter. And I just want you to know, and the tears fill up in their eyes. I got my love for God's house from you. I got my love for the things of God from you. What must God be thinking when he sees this woman that did not withhold the vanilla wafers, but gave them with joy and served? We don't need you to serve here if it's something. Well, they, they needed me. No, we don't. God loves your life when you 
pour it out willingly on other people. When you serve people willingly, he dotes over and breathes after when you do it with joy. I guess what I'm trying to say is me preaching doesn't impress him, but if I do it with joy and willingly, it moves him. Generosity is an expectation of God. Look in your Bible, verse 8 and 10. And God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over. Look in your Bible to share with others. God will give you everything you need and left over to share with others. I know what you're saying. I ain't got no leftover. Oh, time out, time out, time out. If you make more than $20,000 a year, you are in the top 2% of the richest people in the world. The world. What, what our problem is, is we haven't went outside our culture. We may not have what other people have. We look at the person up the street with the nicer car and the nicer house, and then we say, I ain't got nothing. Go to El Nama Ravine, Kenya. Walk around the block and come home. We have plenty. We may not have all we want. But the issue for us is not where is our address in the earth. It's where will your address be in heaven? Will you be known as least in the kingdom or great in the kingdom? Said God will supply all you need and plenty left over. Why? To share with others. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Generosity is expected because God has been generous to you. And it's expected because this, this is part of the reason he blessed you. Generosity for the Christian is to lead to greater blessing, which leads to greater opportunity. I know some of y'all may think this is silly and others may appreciate this, but I'm already planning ways to influence Isabel and Olivia. And right now, Sharon at how, 16, 17 months is hard for these babies. Y'all didn't tell me this. You'd think if you had a room full of toys, they'd just be happy with Jesus and everybody. But we're trying to teach them to share. And what I do is I say, just one, just one. And I let them hold, the iPhone's the favorite thing. We got a room full of toys. They just want my iPhone. That's all they want. And they can call people on it. They can navigate to movies and everything else. But they'll hold the phone and just squeal and squeal. And I said, now let sister have it for just a moment. Uh, uh. I go, just one. And they'll put their finger up and touch it and then go, uh, uh. which means this is killing me, but it's just one. So we wait just one minute and then they walk off. And you have to bring them back. Just one. And they hand it over and it's like you're ripping organs out of their body. You know, one of the things I plan on introducing to them and to the person says, oh, good luck. No, I plan on influencing them with this. If you can't share it, you can't have it. If it's something you can't share with your sister and your neighbor and your friend at school, then you can't have it. Now, will there be exceptions? There's sentimental things from your mom and dad and grandparents. Absolutely. I wonder if God looks at us and says, if you can't share it, you can't have it. If you can't share it. But if it's something you can give away, I believe the Lord with unlimited resources wants to enrich our life, not so it will swell with possessions, but swell with expressions to where we just... Give and give and give. Generosity is an expectation of God and he will test you with blessings. The reason God provides for us, listen to this, is because he loves you. Did you know God provides for you just because he loves you? No other reason. But he blesses you so that you will share with other people. He provides for you because he loves you. No other condition. But when he enriches us with more than enough, it's so that we'll share with other people. Listen to what he told Abram, the father of faith. Abraham was not, or Abram, who later became Abraham, was not a Jew. He was a Gentile. And he became a Jew, so to speak, when God called him out among the world and said, I'm going to make my own nation. So he started out like us, was the father of all believers the father of Judaism, 
And listen to what God said. See if you see a pattern here. Now the Lord said to Abram, I'm going to make you a great nation. And I'm going to bless you abundantly. Altogether, I'm going to bless everything about you. And make your name great. So that you will be a blessing to other people. Not only will you be a blessing through Christ coming through you, but your life, your history, your heritage, your stories, your journey, I want your life to echo throughout eternity. Because what we do today echoes throughout eternity. God has blessed you not to bless you. He provided for you because he loved you. He blessed you so that you would share your life with other people. You know what God's doing to us today? One, just one, just one. And we're, ah, just one. And you know what I do? I count to about 20 because that's all their physical bodies can take, 15 or 20 seconds. And then I give it right back to the other one. I said, it's, it's all right, I'm regulating this. I'm not going to keep it from you. But more important than you having the iPhone is you understanding that your sister is loved by me too. And if you don't teach a child, then they become adults that when you tell them just one, just one, they walk off and hoard their few little toys to themselves. And I know the vast majority of the people in this church are givers. And if you are, then I'm encouraging you in this life. I'm encouraging you in this lifestyle and as I close this sermon, you'll see that this is not in vain. God is keeping books so accurately. He said that when you get home and you come before the Bema seat of Christ, not the judgment seat where you give an account for your sins. We've already been forgiven of our sins. But for the deeds done in your body, even if you offer a bottled water in my name, you're going to get a reward. Now think of this. As simple as water, everyone gets a reward. So what if I've given places to live to people? Reward. What if I've given transportation to people? Reward. What if I paid for school for that single mom's kids and no one knew? Reward. What if I reward? But Lord, what if I reward? Everyone, everything, it's written down in heaven. But it's your choice. I will not make you generous. That's up to you. Generosity leads to heartfelt prayers on your behalf. Oh, let me back up one. I'm sorry. God has designed you as a distribution center, not a warehouse. God has designed you as a distribution center, not a warehouse. Are you ready for this? Every distribution center has a warehouse, but not every warehouse has a distribution center. You have to have a storehouse. You have to be wise with your resources, your time. You have to have a supply to give. So God will let you have a warehouse as long as you build an equal distribution center. To everyone that hath, more will be given. God said, if you do good with what I've given you, I'll keep giving you more. But if you do not do good with what I've given you, I'll take even that which you have away from you. Is there anything more tragic than looking at someone in their 70s and 80s and their life has shriveled up to that small drawer that they live in? There is he that gathereth, the Bible said. There's he that gathereth and withereth away. And he that scattereth abroad and yet increases. This is not in my notes, but it's one of my most vivid memories of my earthly dad. I went to preach in uh, Cordell, Georgia, years, year, hundreds of years ago, and uh, preached about 50 or 60 people there, and this family of nine walked in, and um, service was over, and I'd ministered in the altar, and uh, they come up, and the, the oldest gentleman said, you're John Wood, and I said, yes, sir, and he goes, you wouldn't happen to be Roger Wood's son, are you? And I said, yes, sir, that was my daddy. He died when I was a little boy. He goes, good. And I'm thinking, uh-oh. He said, we just drove about 40 minutes. We saw this in the paper and just perchance that you would be his son. And we wanted to shake the hand of the son of the man that led every one of us to Jesus.
And this old man cupped, his, cupped my face in his hands and told me how much my daddy meant to him. And he kissed me on my face. And the mama did the same thing. And then the next lady. And then her kids and grandkids. And they told the stories. And it started to dawn on me. We didn't have nothing. <laughs> but I am rich. Rich. Because my father scattered seeds that are still coming back. He died. Cut off in his youth. No, no. Every cup of cold water if they remember, don't you know God remembers? It encourages me not to try to amass, but to amass so that I can distribute. And God says, how are you doing? We're almost out. We're almost out. Why? Because we've given our life away. Well, then I'll give you more. To the glory of God, we've never had one capital fund drive in this building. Not one. Not one. Do you know why? Ain't because I'm smart. Because we have not made it about what we can have. And he's just given us property. Gave us $5 million to get in this building. Laid on my heart, asked the man for $5 million for the building. So I did, and we got it. Just gives it. To, but the moment we start making it about us, and if we'd have come in here and hung $200,000 chandeliers and, you know, half a million dollar pipe organ, he goes, I'm done with you. Does that mean that if people have a pipe organ in their church that God's not there? No, I said us. He doesn't give us our resources just to become ornate. He gives you what you have so that you can, he tests you with blessings. How are you doing with the blessings that you have? What grade are you making? Generosity leads to heartfelt prayers on your behalf. It said in verse 14 that they will pray for you, the people you've blessed, with deep affection because of the overflowing grace God has given to you. That's what these people have said. And they laid their hands on me and blessed me for gifts I didn't even give. And God tells you in his word that these people you're ministering to, even if you don't know it, they're thanking the Lord on your behalf because you do it in the name of Jesus. You do it for his glory. And some of you, I want to encourage you, you are so generous and don't grow weary in well-doing because you're going to reap an incredible harvest. If not in this lifetime, in the one to come, everything that you've done is going to be brought to light and you're going to come from the back of the banquet to the front in a seat of honor. Now's not the time to quit. Pour your life out to others. There are many different types of giving. There's giving of a helping hand. And these are really valuable because of when they're giving. When they're given, if they need help, they need help. There's the gift of provision and meeting a need. There's the gift of your time. I'll never forget two men. I was nine years old, Tommy Binge and Eddie Bickle. And I've not seen them since I was nine. I don't even know if they're still living. But every Saturday, they would take their entire day and drive me and Jim to Atlanta to see my daddy in the hospital. Mama lived in Atlanta with daddy and we lived with other Christians here in town because there was no hotel room or anything. Mama just slept in the chair and we lived here. And they took their Saturday, every Saturday, and drove me so I could see my daddy. Every Saturday. I don't remember them being too godly. I think they drank and smoked, or both, or one or the other. They smelt like cigarettes, anyway. Uh, and, you know, I, they didn't strike me as suit and tie, praise the Lord. Would you put that praise chorus in the cassette player? They didn't strike me that way. But I tell you what, they did strike me. If they had those other habits and if they had flaws and failures, I tell you what they did have. They had a capacity to see a little boy that would die to see his father. And they spent their Saturdays taking me. And that gift is still as fresh today. These tears are real. They took me to see my daddy on Saturdays. Every Saturday. Every Saturday. They also threatened to whip a man in our church for my daddy. They told my father, they came, these two guys came, or the preacher that was filling in for my dad came to our house and said, you know, you're going to die. You need to just go ahead and turn the church over to us. <laughs> that wasn't good. Because these two men went to this preacher's house and drug him out in the front yard <laughs> and said, Roger wouldn't have said nothing, but we'll kill you. <laughs> you ever say that about Roger Wood or to him again, we'll beat you from one end of this yard <laughs> to the next. I like them. I just wish somebody like that come to my church. <laughs> 
They're gifts of support. Sentimental gifts, letting people know what they mean to you. They're gifts given in private and those that cannot be hidden. They're gifts that make the difference. Jude 22 said, having compassion, making a difference. Your compassion makes the difference in people's lives. The difference between them making it and not making it. Going forward or giving up. Having enough or not having enough. A life of hopelessness or a life of hope. You have the capacity in small ways, in medium ways, and in large ways to make the difference. I'm 51 years old, and one of the things I'm most proud of in this world is that I gave an opportunity to a young boy named Jimmy Sanderson to become a godly man, and he is a godly man. He's a school teacher. He's in his 30s now, loves the Lord. And we took him into our home, and I raised him. Don't think I'm a martyr. I had a home. That's, that's easy. He brought him in. He paid for school. He went from a D student to an A student. Now he teaches history and tells people about the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And when I go into heaven and I get to answer for that, there's going to be Jimmy and all the students he's impacted because of the few kernels of corn I threw out. And God said, I'm going to provide seed for you to eat and to sow. What you got to be careful is you don't sow for the wrong reason just to get and you don't eat all your seed, but you see your life as opportunity to impact other people. And don't get hung up on what types of giving. Just give, just throw seed. It's like the guy standing in the field. So how should I throw it? Should it be left to right or right to left? Should we throw it up? Should we throw it back? Throw it, catfish. Just throw the seed. We get hung up on what it looks like and everything. Maybe we ought to have a meeting and pray about this. Throw it. Throw the seed, open your home, open your heart. Open your home and open your heart and throw seeds of goodness and kindness. Some gifts are too wonderful for words. And if you want to be like God, if you want to be like God, give gifts that will leave people speechless. Give gifts that will leave people speechless. I came across a video uh, this week that I think will bless you. And of course, this is the far end of the spectrum. We've talked about giving in small ways, hundreds of small ways. But what this man did, anyone with resources could have done. There wasn't a lot like him, but there could have been. But he chose to be generous. I want you to watch this clip. Nicholas Swinton then a 29-year-old clerk visited Prague, Czechoslovakia in late 1938 at the invitation of his friend from the British Embassy. He spent only a couple of months assisting in refugee camps before he realized the danger posed by the imminent Nazi invasion. Winston immediately recognized the danger and made every effort possible to get the children to safety.
After the war, Nicholas Minton kept his wartime rescue efforts and achievements secret. His deeds went unrecognized for over half a century and would have stayed so if it wasn't for his late wife, who found a scrapbook in the attic with all the children's photos, a complete list of names, a few letters from parents of the children to Winton and other documents. Nicholas Winton was first faced with the children he rescued in a television show. He was given no indication of what to expect. All the letters. But back here is the list of all the children. This is Vera Diamant, now Vera Gissing. We did find her name on his list. Vera Gissing is with us here tonight. Hello, Vera. And uh, I should tell you that you are actually sitting next to Nicholas Winton. <laughs> and it was just so wonderful, so terribly, terribly touching. in our audience tonight who owes their life to Nicholas Winton. If so, could you stand up, please? Our musician would come, please. When I saw this video this week, and there's no way I'm going to be able to do this without being emotional, so I'm not going to try to hide it. And please let me give this disclaimer. I'm not saying this so that you, I don't want anybody to write or call or say, you know, what me or this church has meant to them. That's not what I'm just trying to be honest with you. I just have been very reflective this week. What will it look like for me when I get home? What if the Lord says, is there anybody that John made a difference for? It's going to be like that. They're going to come from everywhere and say, you had the home group. You opened your home and I found Jesus Christ as my savior. I just wanted to hug the son of the man. They're gonna, it's going to be like that or it's going to be quiet. You have the capacity to rescue children, to heal lonely people, to heal broken people, to fund someone's education, to give someone transportation, to be encouragement, to mentor, to strengthen we're either spending it on ourselves or we're giving to other people. And giving is taking a hard rap because of the mess we've seen. Granted. But I'm not talking about giving to us. Give your life away. Give your Make a difference. My granddaddy used to say, if you're going to be a dog, be a big one. If I know my heart. I'm going to ask the Lord this year to give me eyes to see how I can give gifts that will take people's breath away. What would happen if we as a church started giving consistently, quietly, Loudly, extravagantly, socially, relationally, financially, emotionally. 
I think this place would swell with people that stand behind us saying, you are the first person I saw Jesus. That gift. Thanks to God for that unspeakable gift. May we just sit in the Lord's presence for just a moment before we go home. Would you do that with me? Would you stand with us this morning? Right before we dismiss, would you go somewhere with me? I'm thinking about it. I wonder what this wonderful man thought and felt like during those early years when every transport of every child cost him however many thousands of our dollars, the, the, the mark, German mark. And they would go to a land and he wouldn't know. I wonder if he ever felt unappreciated or if I just knew what had happened, I don't even know that they got to the right place. I'm sure he did. I wonder if he ever second-guessed or those that knew maybe close family because it could have cost him his life doing it. I wonder if they ever told him, man, that's such a waste. That's, you could be having all of this or, you know, you don't even know that it's doing good. I wonder if he had those feelings, probably. But I wonder what it felt like on that television show that night when that lady said, how many of you owe your life to this man? And he heard all the chairs squeal as the people got up and he turned around. It is my desire for you and I to know that feeling in heaven. And may this message be a small part of it. And if you go home and look in your text, it says this, and their deeds will be remembered forever. Have a wonderful Lord's Day. God bless you.